I am your podcast producer and host for today's episode, Casey Callanan. I have the great pleasure of being joined today by Artisha Moore. She is the CEO of Association Forum. I'm going to have her introduce herself now. Tell us a little bit about herself, what her current role with Association Forum entails. And then also I'd like to hear a little bit about your professional background. Welcome to the show, Artisha. Hi, Casey. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be on this podcast, especially because when I tell a little bit about my background for me, I'm a normal association executive, but then also a little bit of a an anomaly, a, a unicorn. So I'm Artisha Moore, and I am the new CEO of Association Forum. We are an association of associations, similar to those may be familiar with an ASAE. But we're focused here in the Chicagoland region. We do have members from all over the country. But similar to any group of associations, we look to provide our members with a lot of value for where they are. I've been doing association management for about 25 years at this point. And so having the unique honor of serving both outwardly facing associations, meaning those that serve professionals, scientists, those things. But now I'm a secondary so I get the, the luxury in some aspect to be radically bold and fearless and all of that because I'm serving my peers. So this, this kind of beautiful blend of forward thinking association management, but now with some of the guardrails coming off, because I'm working for my peers and I am one of them and they are me, there's things that we can do here at Association Forum that all associations can't do. So um, before I go there, let me talk a little bit about how I got here. I started my career about 25 years ago in not-for-profit, so meaning just nonprofit, but not association management. And I actually just stumbled in being a clerk. I needed a job. I got a job as a receptionist. I worked at the front desk. And I loved, I was coming from for-profit in, in a billing office of Sprint way back in the day when that was a thing uh, in the cell phone game. And so I knew enough about processing. But what I didn't know is that there was a whole industry of aligning with the heart. So I knew about charities, but I didn't know about like not-for-profit that did work in the community, adoption agency. So when I came into that job, I actually taught myself how to write SQL code important because I got a four dummies book. We had a database that we were managing this thing. And I built this whole infrastructure that they needed to help do the job. Well, once I did that, I thought, well, I don't want to be the receptionist anymore. I want to be an office manager. Right. So I went out to start looking for a job in office management and whatever that meant from an admin standpoint and stumbled into association management. So that association management kind of exposure really was around database management, relational data, and that led me on this journey of 20 plus years in association management, worked at a variety of different STEM-based organizations, started from a membership standpoint, but really have always been in the tech side, technology strategy, uh, relational data engagement, and using that to power people. So that's how I got here to, to this point and a little about me. That is super interesting. And obviously you have earned a serious leadership position there with, you know, association forum. And I'm curious as someone who has worked in associations and, 
you know, is really curious about how association CEOs get to where they're at, what would you tell someone that is um, kind of maybe starting out or in their mid-career working in an association that has aspirations to be in a leadership role? What advice would you give um, even to a, a young person out there who wants to be the next Artisha Moore? Yeah, um, I would laugh and say, don't do it. No, not that. Here's what I would say. I never focus on the job title. And I would say to anyone looking at, what do you want to have your impact be? I, my friends, and when they hear this and those that are listening to this that know me well, know that I never aspired to be this. I just wanted to do good work. I wanted to drive innovation. I wanted to support people. I wanted to align with my values around diversity, equity, inclusion, especially for technology uh, in that space where I was kind of the first only. So first woman, first black person, right? First membership association person in those spaces. I, I wanted to do a good job. And each time I got an opportunity to be at the table, at a different table, I looked at the job in front of me. So I would say to anyone as they start in associations, the beauty of what we do, and even at association form, we're leaning into knowledge and access at all levels, at all career stages, because I started from a clerk and worked my way up through every level in an association and every level of management. That I think is the opportunity that we give uniquely because it was fast. I was senior staff at 27 years old. That does not happen. <laughs> Right. Outside of some a, a small association and you being smart and curious and capable. So if you're looking to move into the C-suite, start to focus on making an impact, build your personal brand, but also think about your values. Because as we move into this part of work, you know, the decades of work that we're in right now, values driven organizations, which we've been as an industry for a long time is really going to be aligned with the future. And in a, a person who can use their values and drive results, they're going to springboard and be able to really take associations to the next level. With that in mind, are you someone that kind of laughs at people that say, hey, my five-year plan is to do this? Because it's kind of just like, you know, you can plan out what you want to be or where you want to be in five years. But at the end of the day, I mean, life in these career journeys are so unpredictable that, you know, good luck trying to predict where you're going to be. Um, you might as well just do great work and kind of see where it winds up. But what are your thoughts on that? Since I'm a dystopian future kind of girl, like I just aspire to be like a Tina Turner style leading the Thunderdome, right, in the future, I would say five year, what? I, I, you know, so as a technologist, as a strategist that really, really leads into future edge, I think it's important for us to stop trying to plan it and control it as humans do. Instead, how are we continually adapting? And I think the beauty of our industry of associations, let's really think, especially in the U.S., but there's a lot of groups I've worked international too, lived international too, but associations are an American thing, right? We created this kind of entity in this thing, and we are about to celebrate 250 years as a right country. So when you think about the construct of people moving causes forward, associations, professional societies, we're riddled in this centuries old of thinking. Gotta let that go. Gotta let that go. 
But here's the beauty of it. We're peopley people in the business of people. So stop planning the five-year plan. Really start to get, how do you get nimble? How do you get adaptive? How do you start to think? So as a person, for me, I started to do like big, big changes and shifts every three to five years. What do I need to learn now? So I went from Buddhism to crocheting to, you know, making Thai food to whatever it is. Classic rock right now. I'm a totally into like Led Zeppelin. That's not my jam. I'm a hip hop girl. Right. But how do you be adaptable? That's what I think I would say and preach that from from the highest mount. Makes perfect sense, especially given all the uh, uncertainty coming down you know, the pike with, uh, you know, artificial intelligence and all this type of thing. You could even throw quantum computing in there. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Let's just Come do on. great work. Let's just do multiverse. Work. Come on. Right. I mean, we don't know. In there. Um, so all right, I want to know about you blazing some of these trails that you mentioned before, you know, you're the first person to do this. The first, uh, tell me about that. What, what have you been the first to do and what is it like blazing some of those trails? Because that's never easy. I would say, you know, as I think back to when I started and I went to my first CEO to ask to take over it strategy and be a pseudo CIO internally for a group, I didn't have a degree I wasn't an IT techie. I still, I would say for any of my IT staff that are listening for the decades that I led those teams, they will laugh because I'm also not very tech savvy. I'm tech strategy. Right? Here's the thing that I continue to do is speak up. I ask questions. I'm the bane of my husband's existence because every part of me asks a lot of questions about why and what and who and how and why and what and who. I'm in that regard leaned into spaces that were very male first. I worked at a lot of STEM organizations, right? Engineering, my before coming to Association Forum, I was with the American Geophysical Union in, in Washington, D.C., working with a lot of physical scientists, right? And so having these spaces where you are in charge of things at that job, I wasn't in charge of IT. I was in charge of something that didn't really exist and morphed and had five program teams and really kind of looked at workforce because the CEO at the time wanted someone who had a variety of tools in her tool belt. So I think that when we think about the, the various kind of leaning in and, and the, the paces of that, the opportunities of where that goes, I'm always going to be the pioneer that's out there right in front right with Elon, right on Mars, right here I am trying to talk about membership value and what we do with that because I'm not scared to be wrong. The future we could not have predicted. We thought back when I was watching Marty McFly and Back to the Future, I definitely thought we was going to be living in that flying, right, hologram kind of world. Okay, where is that? Because it's not here yet, but we're evolving and adapting. So even the chat, uh, the talk about generative AI is very interesting to me because I liked the whole Watson, IBM Watson of things way back in the day, right? So I thought that that was where we was always going. It's little, I mean, big to my surprise that my peers are like, oh my God, this happened. Where were we at? And so I do think it's just a beautiful place, but we have four 
thriving generations in the workforce right now. Being the first only, I'm not an anomaly in that regard, because even right now, there's still first a non-binary CEO that's leading a male-dominated group or, right? So there's still the, the first. I think for me, it was just opportunistic. And then I leaned in and then I brought along. A- yeah, I love it. That, that um, you know, that that's consistent with pretty much everything you've been talking about today. Just learning on the fly, being adaptive, um, I think these are great themes and messages for anyone listening to really take to heart. Um, switching gears, I know that you mentioned you've worked in Chicago and you know, obviously now in Chicago, and then you've also spent time working in Washington, D.C. And I think when most people think of the association world in North America, you think Chicago and D.C., primarily D.C., there would probably be the most there in that in that uh, metropolitan area and then chicago is really a close second so what have you noticed working in chicago versus working in dc i'm just curious personally on that i'm from dc so i laugh with them in the midwest often to say you know inside the beltway it moves different in dc it just does so for instance being in a national kind of place where all advocates come to kind of do their things there's even if you're not based in dc you have some kind of advocacy arm for your profession insert whatever it is in dc dc is a very transient kind of city too Right. So people come in because this new administration, they bring they all they new people. You've got some more people coming in. Associations are grounded there, but they move kind of like the government. Very polished on the hill kind of energy. I I can say that because when I came to Chicago last year, I was very DC-esque. Here's my suit. Here's the energy. Here's the East Coast. We're about to hit it. Let's do it. You know, that kind of thing. And they was like, can you chill? (laughs) Can you give us a little bit of chill? The thing I love about it here is that it's deeply rooted in community. So when I come in in any organization, I kind of sit back for the first six months and try to understand the lay of the land. I talk to everybody. I talk to the people who hate us. I talk to people who love us. Right. I try to get it. And then I'll pitch a high level. Here's what I think. Here's where we go, get the technology, you need an app. I usually, anybody listening, I have never said get an app. Never, unless you have something that really is app worthy. Don't do it, it's just not for everybody. Um, But when I started to look at it and they knew I was a tech person, they knew coming in what my strengths were, the board and what the leveraging. When after I did an assessment in Chicago, the thing that is is our biggest product is our community. They support each other in a different way. I'm not saying that they don't in DC. I'm active in DC still. I'm an, I will be at various conferences. I'm a member, right? I'm a fellow in these kind of things and I'm active in the community. We're in a beautiful collaboration space with other alphabets. I call them the alphabet soup here uh, at in our offices because I'm members of all of them, right? But in Chicago it's different. And so I now know when I started last year, I thought, who stays here for 30 years? It's cold as I don't know what. Like, what in the world? Like, And now I know. And so my mom asked me over the weekend, just past weekend, so when your contract is up, are you coming back? And I said, I think I'll be here forever. So we, we are thriving. We are also growing. 
in the middle of the country, we are in a place where technology centers are coming. I have the actual alphabet company, Google, down the street. They've moved and created a whole neighborhood and environment. There's a lot of investment coming here. At Association Forum, we're also partnering with major universities to really think about workforce as a way that we can thrive here. So having a place that has, you know, thousands tens of thousands of association professionals, nonprofit professionals, and charitable professionals here, just in the Chicagoland region, there's a lot of opportunity for us too. I know that remote work comes up a lot on this podcast and how just thinking about, you know, geographic locations and is being in DC that important anymore in this age of Zoom and, you know, all these different uh conference softwares. So what is your thoughts on that? First of all, personally, like where are you at on remote work? Is it a good thing? Is it gone too far? Is it not gone far enough? Um, I want to just get, first of all, your take on that. You know, it's interesting being a tech person and leading tech strategy. I've actually been remote work since uh, back when we called it telework, right? (laughs) When it really was work from home and you had to telecommute and tell your boss and check in and do those things and and all of that. And I remember because I was senior staff at that time, I think it started in like 2011, uh, once or twice a week because I needed to code and I couldn't do that in the office, period. But I remember my CEO asked a question that still comes up a decade plus later. Well, how will you manage people if you don't? have close proximity with them? How will you know what they're actually doing? And Casey, I say that to say, I still hear it in the CEO circles that I'm in. In the results orientation, we, not as a collective, that is an indie individual, that is an association. There's generations now. I'm in a generation X, but I'm closer to a millennial than my mom, who is also at the other end of generation X, closer to a boomer, right? I don't care how you do it. I don't even care what it looks like when you do it. Right now, you cannot see me. I have on pink jeans and some hot pink and yellow tennis shoes. I usually, on brand for me, have on tennis shoes most days. Why? Because my feet hurt. Because I walked in the 90s with high heel shoes on because it was mandated because I had a dress code. So where I sit on it is, is the work getting done. However... As I am now in a CEO role, as I have led in upwards of 30, 40 people across five or six teams, what I did see in the pandemic, this was like the beautiful experiment, yay, we could do it, technology advanced when we got there. Serendipitous learning isn't happening. Because as soon as I get off this thing, I'm done with you, Casey. No, I'm not. I'm going to see you this weekend. It'll be fantastic. But I don't learn Programming up ASAE is this weekend and we will see each other there. We will, we will, we'll be there, but back to you. Yes. Boom. And so, but you know, in, in thinking of it, if we were in the old model of things, we would go into the kitchen and I would say, well, what are you working on? And why do you use those headphones like that? And what about this other thing? And then I would go home and be like, well, he said, well, maybe I could do that. And that, so that's how I went from a clerk to a CEO in my career, and really the bigger piece, it wasn't the CEO jump. It really was from a clerk to senior staff in six years. How does that happen? I don't get exposed to things 
we're not together in a human way. We tried Zoom socials and Zoom things. You know what? I don't like those. I don't know what you eating. I'm a foodie. What you got over there? You going to send me some? I, it don't work in that way. So I think that we're still trying to figure it out. I'm hopeful of things. I'm looking at augmented reality now. I really like how some of this is coming. Pokemon Go had my mind working in a different way. Um, you know what I'm saying? How that could work. Meta, they're trying to do once they work out the kinks, they're way above early adopters, right? Trying to do that. But I also think like the power of gaming and interaction and the way that it's making it more seamless, like things like in the rise of the pandemic, Animal Crossing. So I was able to connect with my friends in a different way. My good girlfriends, we would go to the island, girl, let me over there, get the apples, whatever it was. But I felt like we were building community. I thought, well, what if it, what if an annual meeting happened in this way where we had a meetup because I was virtual and now not just not just um, content. And did I read it and do it in a review? Now I'm playing with you in a dance party on Fortnite because this is our annual meetings piece to bring the connection because relationship learning, I think accelerated my growth. I'm an incessant reader. I'm reading all the things right now. I'm all about building holograms in my backyard. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just trying to read up on it. But when I sit down with you, whether it's in a gaming environment, because everybody isn't able to come together. Meetings are exclusive. Because I was senior staff and I'm a CAE and a fellow and whatever the case is, I got more pot of professional development than when I was a coordinator. I didn't get to go to a $5,000 conference event or whatever that was, right? So these gaming things, these sitting with Casey at lunch, maybe I do a mukbang. I hated those before the pandemic, but now I'm like, that's what we all been doing. Eating on the Zoom is a mukbang. So how do we start to, to look at that? That's what's missing right now more remote, more isolation, lack of relationship building and learning. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you wouldn't have been able to replicate your path to leadership without those serendipitous in-person moments and without making those, you know, in-person connections with people because relationships obviously are so important to were probably so important to your path to leadership. So do you think young people out there or just aspiring leaders at any level are kind of getting the short end of the stick on this because, you know, they might be producing and doing great and not having a commute, but at the end of the day, they're still a hundred percent remote and they're just missing that, that piece to get maybe promoted or just be, you know, be able to build the relationships that need to be made in order to kind of get more leadership positions. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting because I have two uh, junior, uh, not junior, but younger mentors, and they literally are my mentors. And so two things to what you said. One, they're very resourceful. So when there is intent, meaning I want to grow, I want to advance, but they don't wait to be courted in some aspect, right? They just go out and build the network, do what they need to do, those other things. The other part, and I've been leaning into this being in membership organizations for 20 plus years. When we think about the value of things like membership, it's actually very exclusive, not inclusive. 
And so younger people are finding different things through social media channels, through meetups, through various things that they're also doing on their own. So when I thought about things like Patreon, at first I was like, well, nobody's going to pay for that until I started to pay for some around Marvel content. And now I'm like, people are paying for thought leadership that doesn't have anything to do with brick mortar structure. No annual meeting, no networking with my boss. Because in some aspect, Artisha is going to project what Artisha did and say, well, this is the way. Maybe I will be a Mandalorian, right? This is the way. But if not, what? so they're getting at it in a different way. Here's the problem. Our validation systems for giving you a promotion and showing value to the organization and all of those things are antiquated. So they don't take into account organic, almost indigenous style, right, from their communities and their people that they cultivate learning. So then they don't get to move up and drive change in the organization. So I think in some aspects, we need to understand and rethink how we validate what they are getting. And then we should coach them to continue to, you know, leverage your people, but put some old people in there like Artisha, who can help you just with some advice, right? Put some older people, well, I don't know, like Artisha's aunt, right? Or whoever that is, because I do think that as we we're moving forward, we're going to get, and I was on a panel a few weeks ago with a statistic, uh, someone said that we, in our lifetime, we're going to be living well past 100 on average. That means three to four careers. Careers, not jobs. Careers. Adaptable. But that also means that we will have four or five generations that we need to manage, that we need to serve, that we need to drive value. And an 80-year-old, as I get older, I am not going to want what a 17-year-old wants. So we need to think bigger. And I think how we do things like promotion, validating of competencies, things like applied curiosity doesn't get rated. But I think in some aspect, what I just told you or what I've spent a half an hour telling you at this point is that I've been curious and then told to do it. Yeah. Voila. That that's an aha moment for us all, I feel like. Um now when you talk about like Patreon and Substack, these are kind of these are like uh places that creators can go to provide exclusive content for their followers, for their fans, etc. So it's really interesting that you mentioned Patreon. Um I've never heard it mentioned on our podcast yet. But it does um, kind of fit this narrative that I'm hearing a lot on this podcast, and that is there's a lot of um, traditional associations are seeing a lot of competition in kind of that thought leadership space. Um, and so you see it a lot on social media with like influencers who have more followers than the actual association in, you know, in that given specialty or whatever it is. Uh, are, are you thinking like, Substack and Patreon, these are like places now where, you know, people can become members who like what you're doing. You don't have to have that traditional um, foundation of an association. Like, are you seeing that as competition for associations? 
I've seen it as learning for us. The competition was 20 years ago when LinkedIn said, hey, come and be a professional. <laughs> Build your own community network and, you know, sub profession for whatever your industry is. We still were able to lean in on professional development and research and advocacy, right? Now, today, thought leadership, come to the conference and hear the latest thinking of that, right? Whatever, insert profession. Slowly, for-profits do what for-profits do. They see a need to have value. They see speed to market. They see advancement in technology. They see opportunity. Opportunity. So LinkedIn first, when they bought lynda.com and did professional development, ResearchGate, Microsoft is funding that free LinkedIn for scientists. You know what that is? Peer review research, open access now to information. The Wikipedia of things changed a whole industry. Now, when we're talking about advocacy, first of all, the younger generations don't even believe that we can advocate for anything. Right. Especially in the U.S. Yeah. But when we start to look at where that is, it's almost like a likable trending on social has more weight than a vote in Congress that doesn't get things done in the U.S. Because I have represented and your listeners probably represent global and it's different. So when we start to think about Patreon as competition, I would say Patreon, any of the other ones. And why aren't we talking about Masterclass? Because Masterclass is doing learning in such a different way that it's seamless. So what I said to my teams here, we're a small staff association at Association Forum. We are not siloed departments of education learning. That's ridiculous. Learning isn't everything. Everything that we do is around learning, right? The magazine, me talking to you, uh, I'm learning from my teams every day. We're playing with generative AI. I'm over here writing letters to my grandmother and, and doing the things right. So I think that as we look at the things, what can we learn from them? Why do they go that route? Because as an industry, for instance, I know for the secondaries especially, we are blessed to have the benefit of what you all Right, our thought leadership. Our team should be on our podcast absolutely for free, and I will do this great. The gig economy changed all of that. The gig economy changed all of that. We're doubling down on we don't pay speakers. So I was on a podcast earlier this year, and I said the radical thing. We should pay for content. Not all of it, because some of it you are getting paid. If you want to be on a professional track, this is our industry, I advocate for certification. It shows that we are a practice. It keeps our stewardship around that. I'm a CAE. I renew every time that I was eligible. It was the aha changing moment in my career because I realized, oh, damn, I'm a professional. Yeah. So I think that as we look at those things, if you're writing articles and doing things and teaching courses and you get CE, fine. But if you are asked to give thought leadership at a high level, be a keynote speaker, be a whatever that is, and the organization is getting some, what is the percentage that they get? And that is what Patreon showed us. That is what the gig economy is showing us. And now they're doing it better than us. Why are we still competing with them? Why aren't we saying let's sublease? Why aren't we saying let's amplify your content? Why aren't we saying let's partner in the way? But most, especially the traditional pillars of STEM, How do we vet that this is even good enough? 
boom. And there we go. Now they're competitors instead of bringing them in. Yep. That's, I mean, what a novel idea, right? Paying for content. It's, it's, it's going to force our hand, Casey. And I'm trying to be mindful of what I can drive, but we are a business. And so if we want to leverage the best and the brightest as an industry, we need to stop playing and really think about we're competing with the for-profits who have money. And at some point, the people who love us are also going to go over there. Let's learn from the PGA and what they recently tried to do. They are an association. Let's learn from them so that we don't. And I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm saying they are a model for what is happening across the board for all industries. They had to deal with something that was really a lot of money against their values and ideals. But what happened was the people that were the the players were going where the money was because they got families and they have things that they need to do. And so what happened? The PGA had to really have a talk when they big, big names was over there overseas making, right? Yeah. Insert Patreon. Yeah. I mean, these I are, guess. these these are like monumental case studies that we'll be learning from, you know, years down the line. I just feel like it's hard to learn from a, a major event like that when it's happening. I think we need kind of some space, like decades worth of space between the event and um, when we can actually kind of look back on it and learn from it. Cause I'm not sh- I agree with you. It was a monumental moment. What happened with the, the PGA tour and the live tour and all of that. Um, but I just, I don't know what the lesson that's going to be learned from it in, until like years down the line is what I feel like. No, because we're an industry that will continue to say, well, that's an anomaly. (laughs) They're an anomaly and they're not us. And we are insert lawyer, insert doctor, insert. But the bigger, broader in that decades and the gathering of case studies, we don't have time to validate the learning. We got to act. And so if we want to go back to thinking of any of the insert transformational technologies, ways of thinking, you know, I'm reading right now about the history of Wonder Woman and the authors who wrote that comic series back in the 20s and thinking Mm -hmm. about suffrage and what that really was radical and to have a comic book character that was a woman who was out fighting justice And the justice at the time, I didn't know this, I thought she was always beating up bad guys, was so that they could learn. That was the justice that she was fighting for. I'm reading that now, and I'm saying, wow, we're still doing that. Not about women's rights suffrage, and some yes, but anything. AI. I've been on podcasts in the last three years that said, when are we going to have an algorithm that is a member? Most of the hosts are like, what are you talking about? I'm sorry, there's whole companies that are driven by two algorithms and four people who know how to do them. Whole companies. And you're telling me that we couldn't have a membership model, that the the organization's algorithm is a member? If not, start thinking about it. I'm getting greedy here, but uh, I just cannot say enough how much I need uh, Artisha Moore Part 2 on our podcast. So... um, Consider your email inbox will get blown up by me in the future. Not sure when that'll be, but just be on the lookout for it because there's there's too much more to talk about right now. And I feel like I'm shortchanging the audience. But before I let you go, 
before I let you go, Artisha Moore, I want you to give us a guest that you think we could learn from. Um, this is kind of in the spirit of six degrees of associations. I always ask, um, we always ask our guest if there is someone that they think we should talk to um, that you, you know, wouldn't mind maybe putting us in touch with or, you know, that, that our audience will really benefit from learning from. Is there someone that comes to mind? Jose Seguera, who is on okay. our board of directors. Okay. Uh, he right now is also uh, one of the founding members of, it's called Association Latinos, a new okay. organization focused on Latinx community, association professionals. And um, Jose and that group really did this kind of nationwide push, but it started in some aspects in Chicago and partnering with the Latinx community group of ASAE in DC. And now they are their own organization. That is someone we need to speak with. Thank you so much. I have written the name down. Any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? I'm going to give you the final word. I'm going to mute myself and give Artisha Moore, the CEO of Association Forum, the final word here on our show. I will say two final words. The first, don't let today limit where you can go. You can do anything. Focus, think about what it is that you want to have impact and then do it. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And then my last thing, beware of Skynet. That's it. I hope we have some awesome fellow sci-fi fans that listen. Otherwise, you're going to have to Google that one. Um, Artisha Moore with the mic drop. Thank you for listening today, folks. We will catch you next time. Stay tuned. Six Degrees of Associations. Thanks again, Artisha. Thank you.